Welcome back to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and this is I Love Basketball. I'm joined today by Anthony Irwin, and as you can kind of tell by my tone, it's not quite as fun a day as you would expect, considering the NBA announced that they were coming back. What about you, Anthony? How are you feeling? Doing better than Drew Brees. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Doing better than Grant Napier. Doing better than Jason Whitlock. Getting people out of here. <laughs> no, it's just... We talked about this before we went on the air, mm-hmm. and especially after yesterday's protest, right, where first you had, you know, the the hugely emotional um, and, and at times violent protests, right, and then uh, you had the backlash to the violence, and that wasn't answered with backlash to the backlash. It was actually answered with love. It was mm-hmm. answered with togetherness and unity and and all the things that, you know, somebody like Drew Brees purports to actually care about, like that was put on display by even more people, uh, even after, you know, the police who are being protested right now for police brutality answered that brutality with even more brutality and even more violence. Um, and we saw the progress that was made yesterday and for today for, and, you know, we're going to talk about it here in a bit, but, but you know, you, you feel like this is actually going somewhere. And there were, you know, uh, Ellison in, in Minnesota actually raised the charges against uh, Chauvin to, uh, to second degree murder so that the other officers that were on hand there can also be charged because you can't, you can't be tried or you can't be an accessory to third degree murder. Right. Mm-hmm. So like it felt like there were, you know, you have the investiga- investigation going on in uh, Minneapolis PD too, and you're, and like there are all these things that point to progress, but then, you know, we get this kind of brutal reminder uh, via Drew Brees that there is still so many people out there, and some with huge platforms who are just ready and willing to show their ass at 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 a moment's notice. It was a really easy question that somebody asked him that, you know, Hey, how do you, do you, after all of this, do you still feel like it's disrespectful for black athletes to kneel during the anthem? And, and instead of even, you know, well, there's been huge developments here and, and I've been trying to educate myself. No, it it was a whole bunch of I, this and my family and I see this when I see the flag. And, and the entire point of this protest has been to open people's eyes to the experiences of others uh, and, and, those, and how those experiences differ only because of the, the color of those people's skin. And, and yet still, uh, Drew Brees just, you know, sat right there under the basket and allowed LeBron and others to, to dunk viciously on him. And he deserved every single tweet that he received. Right. You'd think that after four years, you know, four years have passed since Colin Kaepernick made his initial protest. And I mean, I think a lot of people forget that he actually talked with a veteran about it first because his original plan was to sit during the national anthem. Right. And he spoke with a veteran and they suggested that it would be more respectful if he knelt. Mm -hmm. And so this is a person who actually served in the U.S. Army who's acknowledging Cap's, uh, you know, feelings about police brutality, understanding that he feels like this is a meaningful way to protest and suggesting a way that would be respectful. And for some reason, I don't even think I heard the word police brutality in Drew Brees' answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's 
It's I a mean, that's just been the, disregard that's been, for what the protest is actually about, right? Yeah. I, I mean, that's been the trend though, right? Like that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I talked to, to Pete about in Lockdown Lakers yesterday. And, and this is where I think even the Lakers should be criticized a little bit. And mm-hmm. Like you see all these corporate brands coming out against racism. Personally, Sabrina, I'm also against cancer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, am, I am against rainy days. I am against traffic, you know, like I, and, and what goes unmentioned in those things is the police, which is, which is, you know, the perpetrators of the systemic racism that, that everybody is, is, is talking about here. Systemic racism has just become this kind of buzzword that Mm -hmm. everybody just kind of alludes to now without really recognizing the tool, one of, one of the, most violent tools of that racism. And, you know, I, I, I really appreciated LeBron. And I, I think, you know, we should probably mention like what it was he actually said. So first you start mm-hmm. with Breeze saying that I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States uh, of America or our country. I'm sure he probably has one of those Blue Lives Matter stickers somewhere in his house. Um, and then LeBron goes wow man it's and then the the facepalm emoji is it still surprising uh at this point sure isn't you literally still don't understand why cap was kneeling on one knee he has absolutely nothing to do with the disrespect of the flag and our soldiers men and women who keep our land free he goes on to say that my mother-in-law was one of those who meant men who fought as well for this country i asked him questions uh question about it and thank him all the time for his commitment he never found Cap's peaceful protest offensive because he and I both know what's right, what is right is right, and what's wrong is wrong. And then uh, LeBron finishes it off with "God bless you." And um, you know, I it's just it's perfectly put there. Like even 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 if you want to go the route of hey, I I know friends and family who served in the military. I my I, my grandparents, my grandparents met via the military uh, mm-hmm. on my dad's side. Um, my grandpa was. Uh, half Spanish and you know the world now grandpa didn't face it as much because he basically looked like a white guy but the world that I'm sure LeBron's father-in-law came home to after serving in the military was very different than that which Drew Brees's uh, grandparents came home to you know and despite being willing to lay down their life for this country the country wasn't willing to meet them halfway and just treat them like everybody else. And it's not like, you know, there has been some strides being made, but it hasn't been nearly enough. And, and, you know, as all this is going on and as we saw a black guy who was, did everything right, you know, like, like Magic Johnson brought it up and George Floyd did everything right. He was calm. He uh, went with them to the police car uh, and, and was handcuffed when, uh, he was knelt on and, you know, after, if, if you see that and if you see all of the passion that his, that, that it brought about, uh, and you're still willing to disingenuously bring up the flag. Cause I don't think Drew Brees is stupid. I don't, I don't think he's a dumb guy to where he just doesn't understand the message. He knows exactly what he's doing here. And, and, you know, it's, it's a form of racism. You know, and this is the same quarterback who refused to stand up for Jimmy Graham during Jimmy Graham's contract negotiations. And, you know, at some point you just kind of look at it at the same way that the Kings looked at Grant Napier and you say, hey, you know, like Maya Angelou says, 
if somebody tells you, shows you who they are, sometimes you just got to believe them. And, and maybe that's listen. where we yeah. are. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's where we are here with Drew Brees. Right. I think um, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's just an inability to express any sort of empathy for another person's experience, right? Completely framing everything yeah. in terms of how you've lived your life and what, you know, you've grown up, that, that situation that you've grown up in. I mean, it's Kaepernick, the black community clearly have different relationships with the flag and the police and the military. And it's, it's just, it would be so easy to just expect people to just show some ounce of compassion or willingness to step in somebody else's shoes. But apparently it's a lot harder than that. It's a lot Um, to ask apparently. That's yeah. (laughs) Kudos to, you know, LeBron and really everybody else on the internet for calling out Drew Brees today. Yeah. Um, I, I do have one more point here on LeBron that, that I think is really interesting because usually, usually in a spot like this, somebody with the platform and the stature that Brees has, not just as a great athlete, but especially like as a celebrity within the NFL. Right. Somebody like LeBron won't directly call that player out. Right. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll say like, you know, behind the scenes, they'll reach out and say, Hey, like, let's have a conversation about it. Or LeBron will kind of subtweet or something like that. But this was, this was LeBron going directly at Drew Brees. And I really think that, you know, when you saw all of everybody else basically line up to finally, you know, expel some of those feelings that I'm sure they've kind of held pent up as Breeze has just repeatedly got, fallen back on this fallacy. Uh, I, I, I really think it kind of all starts with the fact that LeBron was willing to say, you know what, enough, mm-hmm. you know, enough. I, I, the, the time for being cordial and cute here has passed. If we're going to, if we're actually going to see change here every so often, you got to call somebody out. And I think, I, I think what we've seen since um, is a direct result of LeBron being, being willing to do that with somebody who I'm sure he holds a lot of respect for um, as an athlete, but you know, it was enough. And, and I think, I think what we've seen since has been really cool. Like you said, to see. Yeah. I think that's a really excellent point that there's usually been this sort of fraternity among the the highest level athletes, even among different sports and for LeBron to, you know, make his way through that and call out Breeze, despite the fact that they have this sort of, you know, communal bond is is really important. And you mentioned earlier with Grant Napier, like LeBron is not the only like, although I guess DeMarcus Cousins is not technically a Laker right now. Um, He's not the only NBA athlete to have called out somebody else for their comments. And this was another thing where uh, DeMarcus just sort of, Asked, I mean, he goaded Grant Napier oh, into knew. this whole situation, right? He, yeah, he, he has a previous experience with the Sacramento Kings, former play-by-play announcer. They obviously did not get along when DeMarcus was in Sacramento. They have traded jabs since DeMarcus left Sacramento. And Cousins just sort of lobbed up a tweet for him, asking <laughs> him what he thought about Black Lives Matter. And it, it was immediate, right? Uh, yeah. Grant responded with... Uh, nice to hear from you again boogie like what was it uh, <laughs> yeah it was yeah it's, it's been a few years uh and of course he ended with the all lives matter which i mean i understand that all lives matter in and of itself like there are people who believe that that's encompassing of everybody but to work in that organization the sacramento king's organization that has had protests at the golden one center and that specifically works with black lives matter there's no excuse for you specifically to not be educated on that phrasing there's just no excuse (laughs) 
I mean, a lot of the All Lives Matter folks were, were making the case that we should just sacrifice old people to coronavirus to restart the economy. So like, I, right. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really all that here for, for that in any way, shape or form. But like what I found interesting at that time was that Boogie knew exactly what response he was going to get. Now, I, do I, I don't think Boogie knew that <laughs> Napier was going to get himself fired over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that worked out better than Boogie ever could have envisioned. Uh, but but what I found interesting was that, like, not only did Boogie know, but Matt Barnes spoke up, Chris Weber spoke up. Chris Weber, a, a, a fellow member in the media, by the way, too, right? right? So, somebody who, and Grant Napier has been around the league now for 30-something years, apparently. And mm-hmm. uh, Tom Ziller actually wrote in his uh, Good Morning Let's Basketball newsletter, uh, he, he he summed it up really well. He, he put it really well when he was like, you know, if this was – Grant's first transgression, then okay, we might be willing to, you know, have a conversation here and, and see if we can get him to realize kind of the error of his ways. But uh, it it wasn't, this is, this is something that he has done repeatedly where I think at one point he even mocked the Kings wearing, I can't breathe shirts or something like that. And, and, you know, and I think on the air at one point, commented on how if black people can say the n-word why can't white people or, or you know if white people can't say it then maybe black people shouldn't be able to and and like this was he had this track record of saying this and you know the fact that boogie knew that he was going to you know just completely allow himself to just put himself under the basket um for everybody to dunk on like that says a lot about about Grant Napier, and it made me wonder, like, how many other Napiers are are there in the NBA and throughout professional sports, especially the NBA and NFL, where it is a predominantly uh, is a sport played predominantly by Black people, where you have careers being made on the backs of back Black labor, and yet, you know, they not only is it that they uh, are apathetic to you know, movements that benefit the lives of, of black people throughout the world and, and especially in this country, but might potentially outright disdain those movements and outright disdain those pleas for for equality. And and that's where, you know, I give the Kings a ton of credit here because they are one of the more active, so socially active organizations out there. And they really, you know, backed up their corporate message with action here that mm-hmm. here's 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 what we have to say i didn't see their message but i'm sure it was you know copy and pasted from all the other ones out there and and here's our message but here's actually where we say you know what enough with this guy that's it you've you've been here long enough you've you've done this enough times if we are actually going to come out against racism this is us actually backing that up and i i i don't very often give respect to the sacramento kings but they deserve <laughs> all of it right now uh, I mean, as much as I would like to give the Sacramento Kings props in this respect, um, they they didn't fire him. The radio right. station that Napier well, worked for fired him, and then he resigned from the Kings. I, I'd like to think that the Kings would have fired him anyway, and yeah. Napier sort of saw the writing on the wall and made a clean break of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a little yeah. loath to give the NBA and its organizations too much credit right now just because yeah, that's fair. We're we're in this moment, right, where – I think the fact that there are no sports happening has really allowed the protests to take a bigger light, um, to take center stage, you know, uh, where we have athletes who are taking part 
in the marches, you know, in the activism. You see Malcolm Brogdon and Jalen Brown in Atlanta and Trey Young leading something in Oklahoma. And uh, one of the Warriors players uh, was Juan Toscano Anderson led a protest in uh, Northern California earlier today that Steph mm-hmm. and Clay and Kevon Looney and all them showed up to. And I, I really think that because there has been no sports happening right now, it has actually helped bring more attention to this movement. And yeah. like a week ago, if you had told me like the NBA was coming back and giving me the full details, I, I would have been ecstatic. Yeah. Um, and it happened this morning and I was, I was a little bummed, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was just like, there's finally this moment where athletes are being allowed to, you know, contribute to something off the court and they're playing a really powerful role in this important societal movement and we're going to take them away from that. And it doesn't sit quite right with me. Um, so let's just take a little break and then we'll come back and talk about the NBA's restart plan. So the NBA, when you listen to this on Thursday, will have had its board of governors meeting and voted on a plan to bring the season back in Orlando. It's not really a vote. Adam Silver doesn't put things to vote unless he knows he's going to get the, you know, enough eyes to pass. So 22 teams will be coming back in Orlando on July 31st. It just, it feels a little tone deaf to me to be happening right now. I don't know how you feel though, Anthony. Well, I mean, Look, I, I can't lie. I got to admit my biases here. I'm I'm really excited that the NBA is coming back because it makes like I make my living off of basketball. Right. So I'm I'm really happy in that respect. But uh, in terms of the, that's interesting. I, I hadn't really thought of it that way. I I I kind of look at it from a, a slightly different perspective in that like I think sports actually serve a very important spot here because. Uh, the one time where people on the other side of this issue tend to, you know, have, have no choice, but to pay attention to the message being sent is during sporting events. Right. It's like the reason, the reason why white people hated Colin Kaepernick's kneeling thing is because like there was no way for them to avoid it. They can Mm -hmm. claim it was all about, you know, it was all they, how dare you disrespect the flag and the ant and the anthem and the troops and all that stuff. But enough people, enough troops spoke out and said, Hey, actually we're cool with it. And, and, you know, historians said that like the, the flag itself is a symbol of revolution, right. And progress. And Mm -hmm. so, you you know, I I think for, for the NBA, like, I, I guess like the announcement itself, I kind of understand. Yeah. Like you, there's so there's we're kind of focused over here, guys. Yeah. Uh, but but the idea of players getting back to playing, uh, I actually think it, it could actually be a pretty big, you know, uh, shot in the arm for the movement, right? Because this is going to continue in Orlando when the NBA has probably had will have more eyes on it than it ever has before. So yeah, the, the, the announcement and the, the continued leaks while. Uh, there are protests and 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 riots, and the president is trampling on constitutional rights all over the country, especially like in his own front yard. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I understand why why you would say it's tone deaf, but I'm I'm actually really excited to see what NBA players do with the platform once they're given it. Should NBA games resume in July? Yeah, I mean, I hope that's the case. Uh, I 
I worry about how the NBA came to this decision. Like it's, yeah. it seemed to me once the league shut down that they were going to wait for, you know, the virus to have like the flatten the curve and, you know, the number of confirmed cases would have been going down. And that doesn't appear to be the case in Florida. Like, I think they reported that they had their highest number of COVID-19 cases today uh, since April 17th. So it's not like that number is, you know, flattening or even decreasing. Uh, I worry about their health. I think this is pretty clearly just the NBA owners coming to the realization that they needed revenue. Uh, and it's like we were mentioning earlier, you know, the overwhelmingly white class of owners making their money off the backs of black labor and it i'm all for a distraction like i get that this country has suffered for a while now here and like we were talking about last night when the nba had its leaks about how they're going to try to give home court advantage in orlando like yeah i'm all for a stupid conversation about like the nba crowdsourcing (laughs) it's like it is objectively hilarious that the nba thinks that they can give teams home court advantage by letting them pick which hotel property they want to stay at in Walt Disney World. Or even better, like, here's your actual court that you play on at yeah. home. <laughs> like, the floor is what matters in, in the arenas. I'm, I'm all for having these side conversations. I get that. It's just, yeah. I worry that the league fully coming back is going to be too big of a distraction. Yeah, that's, um, that's a very valid point. And it's going to take away from what I feel like is a lot of important work going on in this country right now. And I'm with you. I mean, like my livelihood comes off of writing and talking about sports and there's a part of me that is also very excited that this Lakers season is not going to go in vain because it's pretty damn good basketball team we have here in Los Angeles. (laughs) Right. Uh, But I don't know, maybe like waiting a week, (laughs) you know, telling the teams to get ready, but there's no way they could have kept any of this quiet. So that's it. That's a pipe dream. Nothing in the NBA ever stays silent for very long. I mean, James Dolan sends internal emails to the New York Knicks staff, and they're all immediately on ESPN. So, I kind of want to be on James Dolan's staff just to be able to leak his emails. <laughs> like that's <laughs> if I have one like professional pursuit from this point on, and I don't really have complaints about where I'm at career wise. But if there's sure. one thing I would like to be able to do, maybe it's to be on on a on James Dolan's email list. So that I could just like point out to to friends in the media how ridiculous I'm sure his emails are. Like his email, all he needed to say was like, did you see what the Mavericks did? We just didn't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) The reduce, reuse, recycle, but with racism. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Reduce, reuse, racism. What? What? (laughs) Did anyone proofread this? And like Mark Cuban has been pretty on point with a lot of the stuff that he's been talking about. He's made some, mm-hmm. some like points that have surprised me that they came from Mark Cuban, but <laughs> while for that to happen, yeah, that, that was the, the, the James Dolan email, like going into whatever details that he went into, like he, you overthought it, man. Just say, Hey, did you see what like the New York Islanders did or what mm-hmm. the, uh, what the, I, like, honestly, I thought what would have been perfect was if the New York Rangers were the ones, because he also owns them. Right, and he actually cares about them. Right, right. So if they screwed up their message, 
And then he was like, hey, guys, I, did you see how loud they yelled at us over there? We're just going to sit this one out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, that would have been the most James Dolan thing he possibly could have done. But, you know, it, it was still funny nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could talk a little bit about the NBA's plan to come back yeah. because the Lakers <laughs> will be playing at least eight uh-huh. more regular season games. Uh, so, yeah, the, they're bringing back 22 teams. Uh, every team within six games of the playoff spot is getting to come to Orlando. So... What do you do? Phoenix and Washington for the win. <laughs> I will say my yeah. fantasy team is led by Bradley Beal and DeAndre Ayton. So if that comes back, <laughs> doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I, I guess it's fine. You know, they're bringing those six extra lottery teams, whatever. I think it makes it easier for them to schedule games just because playoff teams are not going to want to play their playoff opponents immediately at the end of the regular season. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. Um, the Lakers will play eight more games and then, you know, every series is going to be best of seven. Uh, that means that they're still most likely to play the Grizzlies in round one, but five of those other Western teams now have, you know, the slightest of chances. So I, I think it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that battle for the eight seed. There's like a minor playing tournament. Uh, I think it's eight and nine play each other and nine has to win two games in order to take that playoff spot. So it'll be interesting. I hope it's uh, not something that the NBA uses on a regular basis. And it's just uh, a modification to account for the fact that they can't finish the regular season. Cause in a normal setup, I think it'd be kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How are you feeling? No, I mean, I'm look, I, I'm just happy that it looks like we're getting basketball again, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and maybe that comes off as kind of callous giving everything that, that's going on, but, but, you know, that's kind of where I'm sitting. I think, so think about everything that the NBA was juggling in trying to resume activities, right? You had uh, teams that actually, you know, succeeded well enough this season to where they should have an inherent advantage going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You have teams that uh, have actually qualified for, the playoffs that feel like they should be able to play for the playoffs that the season actually did end. And, mm-hmm. um, and then you have these teams that are on the outside looking in saying, well, we're within a stone's throw of these teams. And if the NBA was to resume over these next, you know, 15, whatever games that they have left, you know, we, we might've been able to make up the thir- three and a half game uh, gap that we have here. And and also, while all that is going on, oh, by the way, there's this global pandemic that I'm right. not sure everybody has heard of. And and uh, the amount of revenue lost by way of the uh, controversy with China earlier on in the year. And then the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been lost over the, the these this four-month hiatus. So the NBA had to be able to uh, meet the demands of all of those parties. And, you know, I think personally that they've done a as good a job as they possibly could right the the uh teams at the top of the standings there aren't so many games that like the lakers are five and a half games up on the clippers so in eight games i think it's pretty unlikely that they are going to uh be looking at playing from the two seed or anything like that uh Mm -hmm. you have the um whoever finishes at the eight seed if there is a play-in game there is a uh, that you know they would have a one game advantage on that team, so you have that. Uh, they added these eight additional games to you know try to make to to drive some extra revenue in there, 
And then eventually they're going to, it looks like they're going to try to play four seven game series uh, rounds heading into the actual championship or for the actual championship. And, you know, while you and I obviously have gripes about the, the, the safety and the, and the protocols, which, you know, they, they, the sources leaked a ton of buzzwords that actually, you know, didn't really say much about what they're actually going to do. But, right. but uh, you know, all in all, if they were going to resume, I think this is about as uh, clean a look as, as anybody could have possibly hoped for. Yeah, and I think um, what's clear is that there have been no, um, no voices from the players about anything that they disapprove of so far. Because anytime the NBA leaks anything, if there's a problem, players immediately come out with their gripes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when Damian Lillard said that he didn't want to go to Orlando if they weren't going to have a chance to qualify for a playoff spot. Well, that's been addressed. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of the, the non-playoff teams didn't really want to come because it was just going to be an unnecessary risk. And, you know, those bottom eight teams, they don't have to come, right? I think Atlanta was the only one that was really bummed out yeah, about that. Yeah, even Michael Jordan was like, I've had enough with the, with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, let's stop doing this. Like <laughs> every other practice facility in California Open, Golden State was like, I mean, I don't know. Do we really have to? <laughs> <laughs> Michael, you can gamble on the Hornets. No, it's not even worth it. Not even I am that bad of a, I have that bad of a gambling problem. I don't even want to, I don't want to see these guys ever again. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think they satisfied about as many people as they could. Uh, the health thing is, is always going to be a concern. I, I don't think there's a way to do this without risk. We talked about that last week mm-hmm. and, um, it's it's always going to be a worry, especially because it's going to fundamentally alter the composition of the playoffs. If a star player has to sit out for two weeks, that's a whole series. You're right. done, you know. Um, and because it's a respiratory infection, like I, I worry about a guy like Javale McGee. You know, like we worried yeah. about him when we found out that four Lakers had tested positive for the virus back in March because you know he had pneumonia last year, and that is a seriously compounding factor. And I, it it would be awful if he contracted the virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about how they're healthy men in the prime of their physical condition, but it's still a risk. And I, I'm glad that the games are coming back. I just, I hope they're doing whatever possible to keep them safe because it's, it's going to look really bad if something happens. Well, I think one thing, one thing I've been thinking about a lot today, because we haven't heard nearly as much. Remember there was that early on, there was kind of a full court press approach to look at all these safety measures we're doing, you know, and if we mm-hmm. come back, it's going to be as safe as possible. A lot of that has kind of fallen by the wayside, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw the redefinition of the word bubble. So <laughs> like that was, that was something to to behold. And, you know, if they do go about this with a more lackadaisical, for lack of a better term, lackadaisical mm-hmm. approach to, dealing with COVID than we thought going into this. I would like some explanation to the science that led them to that confidence to be able to do so. Because Mm -hmm. if the NBA does that, right? Like if it resumes with out of bubble and, uh, you know, if players contract COVID, they are just going to keep it moving and quarantine that player in all of these protocols that they're talking about via today's leaks, Um, and like, that's, that's other companies, other people are going to take their leadership and run with it as well. Right. And if that's going to be the case, I hope that they offer up some of the scientific 
findings that got them to the point where they were willing to do that so that when other people follow their lead, it's as safely as possible and, and as understood as possible what dangers could potentially come with doing so. Right, because the NBA has a remarkable platform here that what they do will be followed by others. Yeah. And they need to set a positive example. Um, I think, what was it, like a 26-page handbook on how the players could get back into their practice facilities? Uh, yeah. So... I read all of it. It was, you know, it got dry in some spots, but... <laughs> presumably, you would need a much longer set of rules on how to yeah. run a game. Um, I've heard that, like, the, the game protocol handbook just for normal NBA games is, like multiple times longer than the CBA itself. So to hold a game on a neutral site, uh, you'd imagine would have to be an entirely new set of protocols. But Mm -hmm. I want to get excited about basketball happening. I think, you know, the closer we get to it, it's going to get to that point. You know, like once the schedules get finalized and I can think about, oh, like the Lakers' next game will be against, I don't know, who's the first game supposed to be against? I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, the, like the first, like if they just go with their like regular, the regular season thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was going to be, oh, like regular season. Oh, game they were supposed or... to play the Rockets next. Yeah. That's what it was supposed to yeah. be. So like maybe we get to that point in like, you know, July 31st approaches and it's like, I mean, I kind of do want to see the Lakers play the Rockets again. You know, I wasn't happy with the way we handled their centralist mm-hmm. lineup last time. I think we could really bully them this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I'll get to that point. I just, in this moment, I would like as much attention as possible to be focused on what our country is going through. And yeah. I think the NBA players have done a really good job of doing that so far. And I hope that continues. That's I, I, I agree completely. All right. Well, that seems like as good a place as any to end on. So thank you all for listening to I love basketball. Uh, we'll be back next week because basketball is in fact coming back. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the silver screen roll podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your shows and take care. Get, 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 get